So yes, today is the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory. And as is uh, my practice, when I, when I pray to prepare a homily, I always pray and ask God, what do we need to hear? What are these readings saying to me? What are, the, what are they saying to us? And I asked Our Lady of Victory, prayed a rosary, in fact, to, to help with that and, and to direct uh, this, uh, my thoughts and, and inspire my mind. And I can tell you, after my rosary, she actually shortened my homily. <laughs> so maybe mercy on you all is what is <laughs> That's true, Ben. Well, so, so the first reading is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and I'd like to focus on that, on that one. You know, Isaiah lived in a critical time in Israel's history. And the book begins, so we're only in chapter 5, and the book begins speaking with God, speaking through the prophet, lamenting the iniquity of his chosen people. Isaiah proclaims this in the very first chapter. God speaking through Isaiah. Sons I have reared up and brought, brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey, donkey knows its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. They have forsaken the Lord and have despised the Holy One of Israel. So now there's a pattern in the history of Israel in the Bible. And it goes something like this. There's a pattern. When Israel suffers, their suffering is followed by a period of repentance. They turn back to God, back to God's promises, his covenant that he made with them. Then they experience a period of blessedness. Blessedness leads to luxury. Luxury leads to pride. Pride to disobedience and disaster. So in this phase, we're kind of in that phase, we are in that phase where God's getting ready to warn Israel for their forsaking him. And the prophet goes on. So, so Isaiah goes on to reveal that Jerusalem will soon be torn apart by destruction. And guess what happens? In 586 BC, the destruction of Jerusalem in the Babylonian exile occurs. So the people enter a, a period of great, a great suffering. And that, that is where this reading picks up. The prophet Isaiah in the form of an allegory or kind of a poetic song addresses Israel's failure to remain faithful to the covenant, failure to remember their blessedness and live according to God's will and wisdom. So let's look at the characters of the, in the reading, the characters and the metaphors. So my friend, my friend planted a vineyard. God planted a vineyard. His vineyard, Isaiah tells us, and the psalm told us, is the house of Israel. The friend chose the best land, a fertile hillside, and cultivated the soil with great care, preparing the vineyard for planting. He took great care to make sure the land would provide the proper nutrients and allow the seed to take root, the vine to take root, he cleared rocks so the plants could sprout and grow and receive the light. Sparing no expense, he planted the choicest vines, constructed a watchtower to guard it. 
And finally, the friend hewed a wine press. See, he expects a harvest. He expects his choice vines to produce fruit, to bear fruit. The vines are given everything they needed, but the vines produced wild grapes. The, the, vine, the, the Lord says when he looked, what more was there for, for me to do for my vineyard that I had not done? When the Lord looked for, for judgment, he found bloodshed, for justice, outcry. Now think of judgment here as, you know, leading by example. In Jewish tradition, Israel was to be a light to the world, to the nations. God planted Israel, chose Israel to, to reveal himself to the world. He cultivated the people by providing, acting in their history, first of all, freeing them from slavery in Egypt and teaching them through Moses and the prophets. Judgment in this context is not condemning or passing sentence. No, it's passing on what God has revealed. God's wisdom and will, which when, obey, when which obeyed, makes all of humanity fruitful. But Israel, through its own free will, has forsaken the Lord. And, you know, God allows them to live with those consequences. And the metaphors are these. Take away its hedge. Take away its hedge. The land, the vineyard, is no longer distinct from the countryside. Break through its wall. Let it be trampled. There's nothing left to protect. The people are living like everyone else. It shall not be pruned or hoed. God's grace is not being responded to. So there's no point in cultivating it anymore. If we understand, you know, why does God do this? Is God being vengeful or vindictive? No. He's, he's simply, this is simply how love works. Love needs to be reciprocated. When it's expressed in a relationship, love needs to be reciprocated. Love requires a response. And as you can see, God's love is active. It's not just an emotion or a feeling. He's entering into the history of the people. He's giving them what they need. He's nourishing them and feeding them with what they need for this journey through life. If we understand the care with which the friend has prepared the vineyard as God's grace, then the gift of grace we receive out of love requires us to respond to it. We must cooperate with God's grace if we're going to be fruitful. So what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, the answer lies in the call to discipleship. See, disciples learn from Jesus. They're equipped and accompanied by the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives them. And they accept the mission to proclaim and to spread among all the peoples of the world the kingdom of Christ. And to be on earth, the initial budding forth of the kingdom. We must never forget that one can only be saved by Jesus. And he calls us all to a conversion of heart, a repentance. In our culture, I think we think that um, everybody, like only people like Hitler are going to hell and everybody else just gets into heaven. But that's not biblical. 
The sin of, it's called the sin of product, pre, um, presumption. It's an unwarranted attitude that one will enjoy salvation without seeking reconciliation and the forgiveness of one's sins. We must personally respond. We're all called to personally respond to the gift of God's grace. As Christians, we're called, each in our own unique way, and in accordance with how the Lord has gifted us, to use our gifts to proclaim the kingdom of God and to witness to the world, be witnesses in the world of God's love and mercy and justice. We're called to be light to the world. You've heard that before in the Gospels. And the world will be impacted for better or for worse by the way we live our lives. When we fail to live the gospel, imitating the love and mercy of God, the world suffers. When we become like wild grapes, when we don't receive the nutrition that the Lord wants to give us, the spiritual energy and guidance, when the light of Christ is absent in our world, the world cannot understand love, justice, and mercy. When we fail to remember to live according to his commands, the hedge comes down and we become indistinguishable from the contemporary culture. Now making a choice to live a life of a disciple can be intimidating, can be confusing. So where do we begin? I say we begin by remembering what God has done. We can draw confidence and find a way forward by considering all that the Lord has done and what he has given us. He's given us his church, and his son is the cornerstone of that church. St. Paul teaches this. The church is a piece of land to be cultivated, the field of God. It lines up right with our scripture we read today, right? And that land, like a choice vineyard, has been planted by God. The true vine is Christ, who gives us life and power to bear abundant fruit. That is us, you know, that's us to bear abundant fruit like those branches attached to the vine. The church, when we remain in Christ, whom we can do nothing without, we, we do become the fullest person we can be because we, have, we live according to what God intended us to do. Jesus unceasingly nourishes and cherishes his church, and we are his co-workers. We're not called to relate to him in servile fear. No, Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I heard from my father. The church puts the Lord's teaching always before us. We can know, we come to know the Lord through the church and through the sacraments. So in closing, I just want to close in a real simple way here. You know, let's come and receive the gifts the Lord has prepared and absorb the spiritual nutrients that his church offers us. And I think we know how to do that, but we can always go deeper and make a deeper commitment. You know, we're nourished by his word in sacred scripture. Let's get to know our Bible better. We can receive grace in the sacraments. We know that. But let's go back to the sacrament of reconciliation and receive what he wishes to give us. Receive the Holy Eucharist at least every Sunday. 
You know, my wife Serena and I were on a retreat just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the diaconate um, convocation retreat, and we were encouraged there to really dive deeper into Eucharistic adoration, to pray before the Lord in Eucharistic adoration, to take questions to the Lord. Um, throughout my entire life, I always prayed for any big decision in my life. But usually that kind of occurred when I was in the process of making a decision. Should I take that job? Should I um, become a deacon? Should I whatever? But we were encouraged to, do the, to pray before the Blessed Sacrament before we even started to do anything. Like ask the Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do? And listen for his response. We were encouraged as a couple to go and pray before the Blessed Sacrament together, asking the Lord how our, our marriage could be enriched. And we started to do that. We've done it twice now, Serena and I, and it's already starting to bear fruit in our lives. I feel the Lord also calling me to simple devotion. And I don't mean simple to downplay anything, but like just praying the rosary more, more often, turning to the rosary reading the lives of the saints and learning from them on how to live the Christian life and praying for those, their intercession in our life. You know, encountering the Lord in a deeper way, he'll reveal what his call is to us. He'll reveal how he wants us to help build his kingdom, how he's calling us to enter into discipleship. And from there, we can go into our community and our families and be that light that he's calling us to be.